Amen. Praise the Lord. So this morning I'm going to ask you please to open your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter number 4. Now that's not the passage we have been looking at for a number of Sundays. As we've been talking about breakthroughs and blessings in the year 2023, we've established that it's important and it's necessary that we also have breakthroughs in our faith. And so we have been looking at Hebrews 11 and looking at particularly at the first three verses and verse 6. And um, I'm not sure that we're all done with all of that. But today we are going to uh, move on a little bit in this, in this particular subject uh, and talk about the steps of faith, how that our faith can and will work, what we're needing to do in order to get to the place to receive from the Lord. And uh, Romans week and uh, fill in the blanks with where we will be today in our teaching. But one of the things that that passage does give to us is what's referred to as the steps of the faith that Abraham had. And so we find in that passage, of course, then that there are steps to faith. There are things that need to be done for our faith to work. Now, for several weeks, we've been talking about what faith is. It is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is what makes us sure of the things we hope for. We've talked about the power of faith as a uh, confession of faith, a profession of faith, looking at Mark eleven twenty three last week and how that Jesus taught us how to use our faith. And so today we've come over to the book of Romans and we let Paul teach us and reiterate to us how Abraham was justified in his faith. Praise the Lord. So I want you to look with me, please, um, down in verse number 9. We'll start with Romans 4, verse 9. It says, Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the Jews only, or upon the uncircumcision also, or the Gentiles also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father, notice that phrase, that he might be the father of all them that believe. Are you a believer? So that makes Abraham your spiritual father. Amen? And that coincides with... Uh, Galatians 3.29, it says, And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And then we will find in verse 16 that it talks about Abraham and refers to him in the last clause of the verse, who is the father of us all. Now, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every biblical truth, every, every truth is established, and so we can see through these witnesses that it's okay, it is accurate, and you should do it to call yourself the seed of Abraham by faith in Christ Jesus. He is our father in the faith. He's not our father God, but he is probably what we would consider the greatest example of walking by faith and receiving by faith that we can find in all of Scripture. And so it's really important for us then to learn what he did, to learn how he functioned, and what made his faith work. He wasn't perfect, just like you and I aren't perfect. 
He didn't know everything, just like we don't know everything. And uh, he had difficulties, and he had problems, just like we do. Uh, He made some mistakes, just like all of us have. But the great one of the great truths of the passage is that in spite of all of that, God still brought his word to pass in his life. And so he says that he might be the father, back in verse 11 again, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the, what's that next word? Steps. Everybody say steps. What does steps imply? It implies more than one to get to a destination. There are these steps that get you up here on the platform. And whether you take these or you go to either side and you take those, there's the same number to get you to the same general area up on this platform. Uh, that's what steps do. And steps, plural, means there's more than one. And so what we want to look at today, very simply, and hopefully not in too lengthy amount of time, we want to look at what those steps are. And today will only be a beginning really for you so you can study these in your own time and you can meditate on these. And if you'll put them to practice, just like they work for Abraham, they work for you. So it says, Who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. For the promise, and see the whole point that he's trying to make in Romans 4 here is that Abraham was not justified by keeping the law. He was justified through his faith, by his absolute constant certainty in the righteousness of God and in the, and in the reality of the Word of God. He, 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 he had times when he wavered, obviously, at times, but yet he had enough times when he didn't that he got the job done. Praise the Lord. For the promise, verse 13, that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith. It what? The righteousness of God. But can I also ask you to think with me about the totality of what righteousness brings? So many times we just focus on the fact that we've got to get out of hell card free, you know, that we don't have to go to hell. We're born again. We get to go to heaven when we die. And how many of you know that that's really important? But between now and the time you go to heaven, you've got a life to live that God wants you to live. You've got a job to do. You've got a purpose. God has a plan for your life. And how are we going to fulfill those plans and how are we going to enjoy that kind of life if we don't understand the very concept and the very principle that helped bring us to the place of righteousness in the first place, that concept of faith, the power of what faith is. Let me uh, mention to you uh, Romans 8.32. As a matter of fact, since it's just really close, I'm going to turn over there to read it to you so that I don't miss any of the words. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us, what's the next two words? 
all things. So in Romans, there is much emphasis on salvation by grace through faith. But also we see verses like this that continues to open up those little aspects of light to us that once you've been made righteous before God, and if he would not uh, fail to give us his son and was willing to offer up Jesus as our sacrifice, if he would do that for us, then he would give you anything, anything that's good. He would bless you. How shall he not freely give us all things? Would health come under the category of all things? Would a home to live in, a, a, a decent vehicle to drive, good food, warm clothes, all those kind of things? So, so think about as we're reading this and as we study these steps of faith, yes, they brought you to salvation, but they're also going to bring you to every other good thing that God has planned for you. Amen. And so we go back to Romans 4, and it says, we'll reread verse 16 and move on. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. The promise is sure. God put it on the basis of grace and faith, by grace, through faith. And the by grace part means that we didn't have to work for it or earn it. And that's really good because we could never have done that anyway. You'll never earn your salvation You'll never earn your healing. You'll never earn any blessing from God. It's by grace. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what grace is. It's the blessings from God that we don't deserve and we could never earn. Just as the other side of that coin is mercy, which is God's gracious forgiveness and protection and and uh, his willingness to forgive and cleanse even though we deserve to be punished. Aren't you glad for grace and mercy? So it is a faith that it might be by grace. And why did God do it that way? So it could be available to anybody. Anybody that would believe. If it was on the basis of some kind of earnings program, then maybe there would be those who couldn't get it done. There might be situations that would keep people from earning I don't know, but since that's not how it is, it's by grace through faith. What it really means, and this is important to understand, is that anybody, it's God's will to save. It is God's will to bless in the entirety of the new covenant. You say, where, it, where are those provisions? Where are those promises? It's in the New Testament. Just open your Bible. And when you find those promises and you find those facts, those truths that apply to you as a believer, then you found something that God wants to give you by grace and through faith you can receive it. Whether it's divine healing, whether it's prosperity, whether it's peace of mind. I mean, we could go down a long, long list, but all of those things are available. I, I hope that you'll see that because that's so important. Because these steps of faith will work for your healing. They'll work for your marriage. They'll work for your kids and their salvation. It'll work for your peace of mind. It'll work for your needs to be met. Amen. And so, let me reread verse 16 one more time. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end. The promise might be sure to all the seed. Say, the promise is sure to me. Sure. Not to that only which is of the law. Now, you see people, sometimes you know you read about the great blessings of the Lord. Have you ever heard people say that? Well, that was just for the Jews. 
don't know if you've ever heard people say that, but that's, that's a statement that's been made many times. Well, you know, God healed the sick, but that was, a, you know, that, that was under the Old Testament. As if we have now a better covenant established on better promises, which gives us less blessing. It doesn't even make sense. So he, the promise is sure to all the seed, that includes us, not to that only which is of the law, but to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now we're going to get into these specific steps that were referred to back over in verse 12. And the first one is found in verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead or gives life to the dead. And here's the step one, calleth those things which be not as though they were. And cause those things which are not as though they are. That's what he's saying. And I know from my experience as a pastor that this is one of the hardest things to get people to do. It's really not difficult to understand. But it seems to be difficult to get people to do this. Because this will inevitably force us, if we do this... To speak things cons- uh, that, that we do not see right now. And to speak things that we don't feel right now. And of course some people uh, think, well, I couldn't do that because that wouldn't be honest. You know, we have phrases in our culture we use like, you know, I just call them like I see them. Tell it like it is. Well, you know, there's a place for that. Obviously, you go to the bank and they're counting out money. You want them to tell it like it is, don't you? But we're not talking about that. We're not talking about natural things here. We're talking about supernatural things. We're talking about a realm of faith that has the ability and the power to change any circumstance of faith that we might see. And so it's important that we follow in the footsteps, I think that's the NIV's use of that word, of of the faith of Abraham, that we follow those footsteps and we begin to walk in that place of blessing and power. And so the first step is calling those things that are not as though they were or though they are. Let me give you a few statements about this to get you thinking along with me and let's get on the same track here. These are things, the things we're calling, are things not perceived yet by our senses. These are things that are not manifested, they're not visible in the natural realm, but they are no less real. This comes back to the very definition and the very meaning of what faith is about. Remember Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So my faith is my evidence, my faith is my proof that those things I am calling are mine. Now. Everybody say now. If has anybody ever had a pet, everybody ever had a dog and you called the dog? If the dog's name was Jack, no offense, Jack. If the dog's name was Jack, you didn't call it Barney, right? And even the dog, though it's not human, 
learns over time to respond to that name. You know, even sheep know the voice of the good shepherd. And, and, and you can go and talk to uh, nomadic herdsmen today over there, the Bedouin over in the Middle East, and they still name their sheep. Their small flocks of sheep only respond to the voice of the shepherd. If strangers come up and try to call the sheep, they don't respond. They know the voice of the good shepherd. And so even, and, and even an animal can recognize a voice and respond to certain things. Well, the thing that you're going to see here and the thing the Lord wants us to see is that when we choose based on the Word of God to speak the Word over situations and circumstances in our lives, those circumstances, those natural things, be it our body or anything else out there, it must respond and will respond to the Word of faith. You can call healing into your body. You can call money into your account. You can call someone into your life that you maybe need or you desire. And it's good and godly. You can call that in. Amen. And so calling things which be not as though they were is not denial of natural facts. But it's affirmation of supernatural truth. Now that's very important to understand. Calling things which be not as though they were is not denying natural facts. You know, if, uh, if the doctors give you a test result and there's an x-ray picture, an MRI, or there's numbers on a page or whatever, and they say, this is what the results are. Well, faith doesn't say, no, that's not real, that's not right, those are not the numbers. That's not what faith does. Faith is not denial Faith is not Christian science. It's Christian sense. So we don't deny those things. But what we do is we affirm the scripture which is truth. You see, the picture or the test result is the natural fact. But there is a truth higher than natural fact. You say, how do you know that? Because the truth of the Word of God will change natural things. Amen. If you don't believe that, then you're never going to have a strong working faith. Because faith is all about what you cannot see and what you do not feel and what the facts say is not yours at the moment. It's calling those things into you. And so it doesn't matter what my body feels like. Every day of my life, I am confessing that I am healed. In the face of circumstances to the contrary, in the face of pain or anything else, I have learned never veer from the Word of God. And if you will stay with the Word, then the natural situation will have to turn. It'll have to change. And it's amazing that Abraham is our example because he went through this process for a number of years. It was necessary that he would call those things which be not as though they were. Just the name Abraham was a change from his original given name when he was born. When he was born, he was called Abram or Abram or however you want to pronounce it. He was A-B-R-A-M. 
But through receiving what God told him, his name was changed to Abraham. Abraham means father of many nations. Father of a multitude. God said, you start calling yourself this before you ever have a child. Before you ever have one son, much less a nation born of, of you. Can you imagine that interim, that period of time, if Abraham would have met a stranger and introduced himself, I'm Abraham, I'm the father of many nations, and someone would have said, well, how many children do you have? And he'd have said, zero at the moment. And you know the story, he was a hundred years old before the promised seed was born. So he had lots of opportunities to give up. He had lots of opportunities to just tell it like it is. He had lots of opportunities to get discouraged by looking at natural circumstances. You see, one of the ways you know that your faith is working is when you're not moved by what you see. You're not moved by what you feel, and you're not moved by what anybody else says that is contrary to what the Word has said. Now, we'll go on to, to look at the, uh, the next verse. It says, Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now I want to point out something from this verse, a couple things that are important, but the first one is really the thing at the end I want to talk about first, and that is according to that which was spoken. All this is based on what God has said. We're not talking about just coming up with some crazy idea making up something, you know, pulling it out of our hat, so to speak, and, and, and uh, just saying some off-the-wall thing. No, we're talking about what we're saying is based on that which has been spoken. By whom? By God. Where do we find that? In our Bible. So that means the first step, really, uh, in, in getting my faith operative and making my prayer life work is that I would find the scriptures that cover whatever it is I'm, I'm believing for. I'm not wanting you to raise your hand. That's not necessary. I just want to ask this question, and you just answer it in your own, your own heart today. But if you are believing God for something you really do need or something that you really desire that's godly and in keeping with a godly lifestyle, and you really want to use your faith for it, can I ask you this question? How many scriptures... Have you went to in the Bible, looked them up, meditated on them, studied them? How many scriptures have you made yours through meditation until they live within you? Because it's those scriptures that give you the basis for your faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known, it's not a feeling. And it's not just, I wish, I'd like. What scriptures are you standing on? And if there are none, then your foundation for faith isn't really there. Now, I know that's tough, but it's really true. Amen. And so, 
uh, he's, this verse says not only is he calling things which be not as though they were, but against hope, he believed in hope. What does that mean? That means against all natural hope, he believed in supernatural possibilities. Because we already established in our study that hope is that which is in the realm of possibility through the power and the mercy of God. And so Abraham, against all natural hope, in other words, there's no way that he was going to have a child when he was, you know, he wasn't going to get Sarah pregnant at 99. And he would be 100 when the baby was born. And she's going to be 90 when the baby is born. I mean, everything looks hopeless. Everything looks impossible. There's no natural way for this to happen. There's no natural hope. But he believed in a supernatural possibility. And I want to encourage you today, go to the Word of God and so fill your mind and so fill your heart with the power of the Word of God until nobody can talk you out of that supernatural possibility. It might look impossible. Other people might say it's impossible. You may not feel any different or look any different, but the Word of God says it, therefore I believe it, and I will speak accordingly. I'll call those things which be not as though they were. I will declare who I am, what I have, and what I can do in Christ. And I won't back down, and God will confirm His word. Amen. Hallelujah. According to what God has said. And then we look at verse number 19. It says, and, and so that, that's another step <coughs> is, um, is to cling to and establish our supernatural expectation or hope. And then verse 19, he's, it says, and being not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Let me read it from the NIV as well. It says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Remember facts, natural facts versus spiritual, supernatural truth. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. What does that mean? That means Abraham knew exactly how old he was. He knew exactly what he was incapable of. He knew exactly how old Sarah was. He knew exactly that not only was she naturally past the age of bearing children, but if you study your Bible, you know that Sarah had never been able, even in her young days, to have children. Everything looked impossible. And so it says that he did not weaken in his faith. He was not weak in faith. Now let me just point out this for just a moment before we move on. Faith must be measurable. The Bible refers to weak faith and then it also refers to strong faith. The Bible talks about little faith and it talks about great faith. So faith is measurable. And one of the reasons you want to make sure to not forget that point about finding the scriptures to cover what you're believing for is because the greater the need, the stronger your faith needs to be. I remember many, many, many years ago, in another century as a matter of fact, I remember it, it just took all the faith we had to believe God to borrow $10,000 to go toward the building of a 
of a church building. $10,000. And then, you know, uh, last year, we as a church gave away over $180,000. Gave away. Sold. Planted. <laughs> Few people get excited about that. I get very excited. I know where I have come from. I remember when you had to have a co-signer for $10,000 for a church note. I remember those days. Now that wasn't here in Virginia. But you've also heard me tell the story here in Virginia all those many years ago in uh, November of 1990. At the end of the month, we had 17 cents in the bank. That's not much. <laughs> Even with inflation, that's not much. So faith can grow. George Mueller, who was the founder of the uh, the Bristol Orphanages in England. Many of you know about him. You've maybe read his life story or you've heard about what a great man of faith he was and how that he ministered to thousands of orphans in his lifetime. And as far as I know, unless they've recently closed, those orphanages still exist today, still going, still ministering to people. And he never sent out an appeal letter. He never uh, asked anybody for anything, never told anybody about his needs. But toward the end of his life, he made this statement. Of course, he was in Britain, so they had pounds, we have dollars. But in the equivalent of dollars, he said that when he first started out, it took all the faith he had to believe God for the equivalent of one American dollar. And he said that toward the end of his life, it was as easy to believe God for a million dollars then as it was the one dollar all those many years before. You see, what that's a picture of is a growing faith. And so your faith can grow even into the place of your need so that it can be met. Never be moved by what you see today or what you feel today. Only be moved by what the Word of God says. Amen? So it says he was not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead. And, of course, we read to you that he was... Um, uh, 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 he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead in the, in the original and different translations have it worded differently and it almost seems like a contradiction it really isn't what he's actually saying is he knew exactly the condition he was in but he chose to believe God he considered not his own body he knew what it was. He knew what was going on. But that's not what he dwelt on. Have you ever been around somebody and all they talked about was their trouble? You ever been around people and they always wanted to tell you every little symptom, every little detail, all about the prescriptions, all about the tests, all about everything. They just wanted to go over all of that. Which, of course, may be fact, but nothing changes there. Abraham knew the facts. And he chose to set them aside and consider them not. He didn't dwell on that. He didn't lay down every night thinking, I don't know how in the world this is going to happen. No, he laid down at night thinking the God who made the promise will bring his word to pass. He called those things which be not as though they were. And then finally, we're going to get done here in just a moment and you can get to go to lunch. Um, it says in verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. 
he st- but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. I think it's very important that we keep those things together because if you're not strong in faith, giving glory to God, you probably will sta- stagger. You'll probably stay with it a while and then you'll quit. You'll forget about it. Or you'll say, well, I didn't think it would happen anyway. Or, uh, you know, I thought the Lord was going to heal me, but I guess he's not going to. Maybe it's not his will. You'll start rewriting your theology. I've seen that. over. I've been in this thing long enough to see people do that again and again. Rewriting their theology in times of trouble. Rewriting their theology in times of tests. They start out in a blaze of glory and then when things don't turn out like they wanted them to or they don't have the results as quickly as they want the results, they kind of start backtracking and start rewriting their theology. There are even preachers who preach strongly about certain things like divine healing, but if somebody that they were close to or somebody they loved or somebody they knew did not receive, they change their doctrine based on the experience of a person. Which, by the way, you don't know what's inside of any person. Somebody said, I just know they were believing. You think they were, but you don't know what they believed or what they thought. And, and can I say this? This is a little side journey. Somebody help me to remember to get back to the staggering here. But this is important. You need to jump on things immediately when there's an attack. You say, why do you say that? Because if things go too far, it becomes easier. There comes a point where it's easier to go to heaven than to stay here. And your kids don't need that. And your spouse doesn't need that. You need to stay here until you're finished. You need to stay here so long that you get all your work done. And you're, as you start to get bored, you decide, let's go to heaven. <laughs> Amen. I'm just going to stay around here till you get so tired of me. You might be praying I'd go to heaven. That's all right. <laughs> no, I'm kidding you. But you understand what I'm saying. Jump on things. Because over the years I've seen people, you know, the the battle gets really rough, the battle gets really tough, and there are situations where people just, it's just easier to go on. And they'll even tell people, just let me go. So if you, you know, you don't want to get, as we say, behind the eight ball. You don't want to get that far behind. That's not impossible, but it's going to take a fight that you'd rather not have to fight to that level. So start early. The first pain that hits you. The first weird symptom that comes to you, stop right there and rebuke the devil. Go to another room, go to the basement, go get in the car, take a drive, whatever you have to do, and just tell the devil where to get off. Hallelujah. I remember uh, one day uh, just a terrible pain began to just hit my, my left hand. And I I knew, I can't put up with this. So here I am driving in my car, telling the devil, I'm not going to have arthritis in my hand. I'm not going to have this pain. I'm going to use it. And you know what? About three times, he came back with that. I responded the same all three times in that I was rebuking and resisting. And it never came back again. You've got to stand your ground. Calling things which be not as though they were. You might say, well, I've, I messed up here. I've messed up there. All of us have messed up somewhere. But today is a new day. 
to the, the, the Lord's mercies are new every morning. He, he lets us understand that though he is eternal, he understands our clocks and calendars. And his mercies are new every morning. Today's my day for healing. Today's my day for deliverance. Today is my day for blessing. I refuse to do without it. The devil knows he's under your feet, but you need to remind him. Give him no place. We're told in the scripture, give no place to the devil. That word is the, the Greek word topos. It means a, a place of ground. We get our English word topography from it. Don't give the devil a place to stand on, not even one foot. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, and he will flee. So Abraham didn't stagger. When, when, uh, when the situation didn't look so good, when things maybe didn't feel so good, he did not change his confession. I believe one of the ways, and you can follow me here and, and, and just weigh it for yourself, but I truly believe that one of the most uh, damaging ways that people stagger at God's promises is with their mouth. Don't ever let anything other than the truth of God's Word come out of your mouth. Now, you know, you go to the doctor and you go there for a reason. They ask you questions. You know, you can, you can tell him the facts. You didn't go there for a theology class. And uh, that, that, that you can deal with a situation like that and, and you can maintain your faith and you can even leave there knowing what he said is not what I believe. But I'm talking about generally speaking, I'm not going to get out here and be sitting around and spending all day talking about every symptom I've ever had. I'm not going to talk about all this mess and what could be and might be. I'm just not going to do it. Amen. And so the way that you stagger not is that your confession stays consistent. I'll say that again. The way you don't stagger is if your confession stays consistent. And then finally here it says, he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. One of the, one of the most powerful steps of faith you can take is just exactly in what we heard with Miss Robin's testimony this morning, is the power of praise and worship. I don't know what a hundred-year-old man shouting and dancing looks like but evidently Abraham did it it's not about looking pretty it's not about putting on a show it's not about impressing people it's about worshiping the God of the universe that we're believing for the supernatural to come from and he grew strong he grew strong in faith notice he was strong in faith giving glory to God and so you can't give glory to God and be complaining. You can't be giving glory to God and be a griper. This is a whole mindset of a praiser, a worshiper. So that's one of the reasons we do so much praise and worship. It's not just a preliminary. It's not a warm-up for the crowd. We're not waiting on all the late folks to get here and, you know, and then we'll preach. That's not what this is about. Excuse me, I hope I didn't make you mad. Forgive me. That's not what it's about. It's about the glorification of the Almighty God. If we spent all morning praising God, it wouldn't be too much praise. Hallelujah. And so he gave glory to God. And I want to tell you, when you feel like praising the least is when you need to do it the most. 
When, when symptoms are, are raging maybe and circumstances look bad, when all the voices around you are negative, that's when if necessary, you, you know, if you're not in church, you just need to go and somewhere in the house or wherever you need to go and just begin to give glory to God and just begin to praise the Lord. Just like Paul and Silas in Acts 16 at midnight, they prayed and sang praises to God. That's when they were delivered. That's when the earthquake come and every man's bands were loosed. It says the prisoners heard them. So they didn't do it silently. They weren't just sitting there, you know, gritting their teeth, but they were actually lifting their voice to God. So if you're not a praiser, you need to become one. It doesn't matter what your nature is. You may be quiet. You may be introverted. You may not be used to it. All of that means nothing to God. He knows you. He already knows all that. And he still says anyway, that everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. It might not be in tune. You may not need a microphone. Uh, it, it might not be pretty, but it's for the Lord. It's unto the Lord. Amen. And then here we go in verse 21, we close. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now, we already know from this passage, we're looking at steps of faith. So that means these are the steps to get you to the place of being fully persuaded. And when you're fully persuaded, nobody and no thing can talk you out of it. And that's when the devil has totally lost the battle all the way through these steps he's going to try different tactics and sometimes he'll use people even if they don't realize it to try to talk you out of believing God try to talk you out of your faith try to keep you from pressing onward but I'm telling you that if you will stay with these steps of faith you will come to the place where you are fully persuaded what does that mean it's easier to believe than to doubt I'll say that again. seems like you were asleep. You're, it's easier to believe than to doubt. You can be so certain of the promise of God made to you that nobody can talk you out of it. When you're in that place, man, it's a wonderful place because there is a release of supernatural power to bring everything God has said to pass. At this point... There is nothing the devil can do or say to stop the fulfillment of God's promise, God's word, in full manifestation here and now. In other words, what this will do is bring you, you will use your faith to the place where you won't need faith for that. Do you understand what I mean? You'll have it. It'll manifest. You don't have to use your faith for that particular thing anymore. Because it's manifested. You can put your faith to work on something else perhaps. But your faith will end in sight. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith ends in sight. If you stay with it. And thank God that's what we're believing. Amen. Father I thank you for your word. I thank you for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that's here today to teach us. It's so important, Lord, that we learn. It's so important that we get these things right. Lord, I know that there, there must be people today in this congregation that have needs. 
and they need faith to work. I pray that today's message has brought some light and insight into how faith works. And I pray that by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, there would come into the lives of this congregation a tenacity of faith that we do not quit, we do not let go, we do not back away, and we do not compromise and settle for less than what you have promised us. We refuse to do without the blessings of God in our lives. Jesus paid too high a price. Too much was given that we might have these privileges. So therefore, we will not insult the grace of God. We will not frustrate the grace of God. But we will receive that which you intend. And bring pleasure and glory to you, Lord, as your children. We thank you, Lord, today that your healing power is at work, your delivering power is at work, your saving power is at work, your provisions in every realm are available today. I just believe you, Lord, that people now receive. Receive. That's the word of the Lord to you today is receive. Just take it by faith. Just receive it and begin to even call those things which be not as though they were. That's what Abraham did. God said it and he received it. Nothing changed immediately. There was no feeling that would cause him to make a change. He just began to change what he said based on what he believed in his heart. That's faith. Acting on the word of God. Acting like the word is true. Just begin to do that today. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your wonderful salvation. Maybe there's somebody here today. Maybe there's somebody watching us that doesn't know you or that is out of fellowship with you. I pray that they right now would ask you to forgive them and cleanse their sins. That as they believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead for our justification so we could be acquitted and found not guilty of our sin. As they believe that and confess Jesus as their Lord right now, that they become a new creature in Christ. <coughs> They're born again, cleansed and made new in Christ Jesus. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.